Welcome back in, everybody. Brady Farkas show on a Thursday right here on WDEV, AM and FM, and WDEVradio.com. Joining us as he does every single Thursday at this time is our guy from WBZ News Radio in Boston. It's Adam Kaufman. Adam, how are you, man? What's up, big guy? How you doing? Good. We missed you last week because we had day Red Sox baseball. We had day Red Sox baseball today as well. Sox finishing up in Minneapolis. And let me just start here. Sox have played really good beyond the first three games of the season this year. Do you think they're actually good? Well, look, if you were going to, uh, let's say the Sox were, I mean, they're nine and three, but let's say they were, I don't know, five and seven. If you were going to bump me for those schlubs, then we'd have to have a conversation. <laughs> You're going to bump me for the first place Sox. I'm okay with that. <laughs> uh, I think they are good. I, I don't know if we talked about it. We probably did. My preseason projection for them was 87 wins. I didn't really understand how a lot of people were looking at them and, and saying this is a team it's going to be you know 75 79 like to me they're a, a mid 80s and above if everything breaks right sale comes back looks good healthy 90 plus win potentially you know i it's as a lot of like friends have been texting me there's there's definitely some 2013 vibes to this team right now and i'm not going to say they're going to reach that level that's a big ask but you know clearly we're seeing it on all sides they're fielding the ball well and that's kind of at the bottom of the spectrum compared to obviously the starting pitching over the last call it 10 games overall, has been very, very good since starting out 0-3 to Baltimore. And they're tearing the cover off the ball. They're leading the majors in doubles. They're hitting home runs. Everyone's getting a ride in the laundry cart in the dugout. It's been a good scene. You know, my preseason projection was 83-79, and 79, so I thought they'd be just over 500, but I did think they'd be over 500. My biggest question for this team is depth. I just sure. don't think they have a lot of it. And – I think they're good if everything is perfect. I just know it over the course of 162, not everything is perfect. Nathan Evaldi hasn't thrown 115, 150 innings since 2015. Garrett Richards hasn't thrown 75 innings since 2015. And outside mm -hmm. of Tanner Houck, like, who's there to save the day? And it's not going to be Chris Sale, in my opinion. So I think they're good, but when they hit the injuries or they hit innings burnout, I just don't know who's there. And that's my biggest reservation. Well, and you obviously didn't even bring up the uncertainties or potential uncertainties from Eduardo Rodriguez yes. after, you know, missing all of last year, not pitching for north of a, a full calendar year before coming back. And he's pitched well. He's 2-0 to start the season. I, I think you're right. I mean, I don't worry about offensive depth. I think they got a lot of hitters. Yeah. they got some guys, you know, buried down in, in Worcester right now, you know, whether it's Michael Chavis or uh, this army of utility guys that they yeah. signed in the offseason. I think there, I think there's a lot of potential there as far as the bats go. I certainly understand the reservations when it comes to the arms. If a guy or two go down and uh, you know, they're not giving you that, that full complement of, of guys going out there every fifth day and the bullpen's holding up and all, I mean, like give us more of these seven inning double headers so that, yeah. you know, for, if for no other reason than to not have that wear and tear, obviously on, on the pitching staff, but I think what it comes down to, and, and a lot of people talked about this in in spring training and the exhibition games and everything, is you know will they be so good offensively to be able to out hit any potential pitching problems they run into? And I just happen to think they are. You know, I, right now they're you know winning some games, whatever eight two seven one. You know, some lopsided games. You know, maybe at some point during the year those games are looking more like seven to six or or you know nine to seven or uh, yeah. but I you're gonna get some of those and I think that's okay you know I, I don't think this is the best pitching staff in baseball I think it maybe was underrated in the spring 
and now we're getting to look at at what they can be. But remember, there is a, a difference a, a difference between what you can be and what you are. Like what we're seeing from the bats right now, I believe this is who they are. I yes. do believe this is what the offense is. The pitching staff, I think we're seeing what they can be. Wander's going to find its level at some point, obviously, whether that is, you know, regression of the mean in terms of underperformances or like you alluded to potential injuries and stints on the IL and things like that. But uh, again, I, I think they're a good team. I think they're an above 500 team and a team that's going to compete for a playoff spot. I'm not going to look at, you know, a, a hot start and, you know, a, a long winning streak and say, yeah, of course, they're they're going to go and and win the division running away like there's a ton of talent in this division the Yankees aren't going to suck forever you know the uh the Rays are a good team the Blue Jays are built well they added a lot in the offseason like yeah. the only one that's not supposed to be good is Baltimore and we saw what they did the first three <laughs> games of the season yeah. against the Red Sox so who the heck knows it's going to be uh, interesting it's definitely been fun to watch for the first two plus weeks of the season Adam Coffin with us here in the Brady Farkas show on WDEV. Let's move to the Celtics. They're 29 and 26. They're all of a sudden playing better. The sky is no longer falling. Um they're playing the Lakers tonight. Where do you think the Celtics are at right now? Are they good again? I was just talking to somebody about this uh yesterday because he and I know I've said this to you. I, I was talking to uh my guy DA over on on CBS Sports Radio and and he was he said you know the last time we had you on you were saying you hated this team you hated watching this team how do you feel now that they've won four straight and six of seven or whatever it is and you know I, I think this is a team that one yeah I mean the compete level is higher it's a lot more fun to watch them there but it but it's it goes beyond that it goes beyond defensive identity it goes beyond you know, the, the give a bleep meter, it's, it's just unlocking aspects of guys games and, you know, on, on the weight, obviously full health, which they more or less have with the exception of Evan Fournier, who obviously remains in, in COVID protocols right now, but even Jason Tatum, you know, there's, we know who this guy is and, and what he has the potential to be. And, and he's an all-star, a budding superstar. Some would already say he's a superstar. I, yeah. I think that he is absolutely trending in that direction and he will be that guy. But what, you know, what's, what's so gratifying is seeing him at the, uh, at the ripe old age of 23 continue to unlock facets of his game that really haven't been there. And, you know, a, a prime example in, in recent games is, the attack and getting to the free throw line. Like this is a guy who should be, there's been so much whining, whether players on the floor, people in the media about, you know, not getting to the line enough, not getting superstar calls, not getting any calls, never mind superstar calls. And, you know, he should be going to the line six, eight, 10, 12 times in a game. Like the, that's, that's just the reality. This is what he should be doing. And he is, maybe he's just getting more calls now. And, and we're in the the midst of a, a good run, I guess, like, let's talk again in 10, 20 games, we'll find out. But right now, he is being more aggressive. It's less of the isolation. It's less of the hangout around the perimeter or taking the, you know, 18 footers. He's going to the hoop beyond just when he has a lane to go to the hoop. He's forcing his way to the basket. And it's it's leading to offense. And it's, it's making a big difference. It's just a more exciting, more interesting brand of basketball. And, uh, you know, from Tatum on down, you know, it's, there's, but as far as who they are and what they'll be, yeah, it's a good run right now. And they're going to win again tonight because the Lakers don't have LeBron or AD, but they're not a 
contender at the moment. Like you'd be, I'd, I'd have to really put on the the green rim glasses and and go full Homer and and go you know find a, a you know whatever a Celtics equivalent of a cheesehead would be and and put it on my head and you know they're they're not a contender. They're you know right now it's you know we talked about with the Red Sox like if things break right what they can be for the Celtics if things break right they go to the conference finals. Right now they're probably a second round exit and if they play like they had been. You know, they like who knows? They go down in the in the play in tournament. So there, there's just such a, a spectrum for this team right now. I tonight's different. LeBron and AD aren't playing, and I'm going to catch grief for this. It's going to sound like a hot take, but I've been saying this for years. And wherever I've worked, I don't think Celtics Lakers is a rivalry anymore. I just don't think pro rivalries exist at, at all, except for Red Sox Yankees. It's the only long-standing rivalry that holds up. Other than that, it's cyclical. Like. For the Patriots, okay, it was the Jets for a little while. Then it was Rex Ryan for a little while. Now it's sure. Buffalo because Buffalo's good. Like it's Baltimore it's, for a bit. Yeah. So Celtics Lakers doesn't do anything for me anymore. Am I wrong in that? And just sounding like I'm not giving uh, proper respect to the NBA here. I think there's some semantics involved, and here's what I mean by that. I think that certain matchups just mean more. And if you want to call that a rivalry or not, you're kind of splitting hairs. Like with a rivalry. Let's talk Celtics Lakers. You know, basketball's better for never mind for Celtics and Lakers fans, for the NBA, for the league, for TV partnerships, for marketing. Like the basketball is better when both the the Lakers and the Celtics are good and yes. competitive and and you can look at it and say like these two teams they could be on that championship finals matchup trajectory and build that thing all season and make a big deal out of it when one team is great, Lakers, and the other is you know, mediocre or slightly above Celtics. No, of course, it doesn't feel like there's a rivalry and isolated regular season matchups, you know, aren't always going to feel that way, especially like you said, when when one team is is missing all of its talent in the form of two guys. That being said, some games just feel bigger, hmm. not not more important per se, because, you know, all wins, losses, they count the same in the regular season, but they just feel more interesting. They they have you maybe internally a little more interested in watching, you know, for the Celtics, that's absolutely the Lakers. It's the Sixers. In some ways, it's the Bucks, and that's that's where it gets cloudy because the Celtics and Bucks don't have a rivalry, but it's a more interesting, more compelling matchup. In hockey, like, you're just going to get up more for a Bruins-Canadiens game then yep. you are a Bruins Islanders game like we've got ahead of us tonight. You know, Red Sox Yankees, it's a bigger deal than Red Sox Orioles, and it always will be. Patriots Jets, even if the Jets suck, it's just more interesting or or even to some degree because of Harbaugh Belichick, Patriots and Ravens versus Patriots and Lions. You know yep. what I mean? Like the, the certain games just feel more important. So again, you can call it a rivalry. You cannot. Rivalries don't really matter. They don't really matter until you get into the playoffs, as far as I'm concerned. I, I think that's really true across sports. Adam, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, it seems like we're going to get to the point where most or all NFL teams skip out on the voluntary workouts that are coming up. The Patriots mm -hmm. have said that many of their players will be skipping out on this, but not necessarily all. Um, how does this land for you with the Patriots specifically? Like, are you a guy who thinks that the players are right and they should be boycotting these things? Or are you as a Patriot fan saying, damn, I wish my team was together more often so they could do what we want them to do? 
it's so tough to answer because of where we're at in the world. And that's the genesis of this whole thing. Like if COVID weren't a thing, if a pandemic weren't a thing, if health concerns for players, families, and those close to them weren't a concern, if life were normal as we knew it, you know, a year and a half ago, then everyone would be there, <laughs> you know? So like, who am I to, to say, like, you know, who are you, Devin McCourty, and your young family to skip out on being with your team right now? What kind of captain are you? Like, that's that's absurd. Like, I'm not in his house. I'm not in his body. I'm not in his family. I'm not, you know, like, I I get it as as a guy with a young family. I absolutely understand. Like, do you want to... Do you, do you want to go to camp and, and be amongst teammates with, you know, some are young and single and ignoring COVID product protocols? Potentially, I'm not saying anyone is, but potentially, you yeah. know, they're out there just like living their lives or, you know, pandemic fatigue and getting back to normal. And, you know, some guy comes into the room one day and there's a COVID shutdown. And now now you've got it and your family's exposed. Like, I mean, nightmare scenario for for a lot of people. I know some people scoff at this whole thing and think it's it's fake. It's made up. It's no worse than the flu. Well, I mean like pay more attention to the science is what I would say to that. But second of that, you know, there, let's not ignore the risk that is involved on the part of the players who are skipping this thing. There's a financial concern at play as well. Like guys are not going to get the same workouts, you know, on their Pelotons at home and, and with free weights as they are obviously with teammates at the training facility. It's just different. And heaven forbid any of these guys suffers an injury that is not football related in yeah. their own training well it happened away from the facility you didn't take part in voluntary workouts guess what you're docked like you're not getting paid and yeah. you know so there there are two sides to this coin so it's i think there's a lot of uh, there would be a lot of hypocrisy for me or for anybody else to sit there and say you know how dare these players not do x or that they do do y in the midst of a pandemic again we can be whether or not we should be, we can be a little bit more judgmental when it's life is what we knew, but it's not. It's just not right now. Adam Kaufman, WBZ News Radio in Boston. You can check out his great podcast as well, Celtics Beat. You can find it on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. He's our seas insider also, but he's an insider of all things Boston sports, New England sports. So, Adam, we appreciate you, man. Enjoy Celtics-Lakers tonight. Celtics going for win number 30. For a while, I never thought they'd get there, but uh, we'll talk to you again <laughs> next week. I just can't believe we went that whole time without debating Julian Edelman's Hall of Fame case. So we I know you se that. you seem to be really into that on social media. I got to tell you, like my last yeah. thought, I have realized through this whole thing, the Baseball Hall of Fame is the only one I care about. And now I'm a baseball fan at heart, so like I think that's part <laughs> of it. But it's just it's the only one that matters to me. Like I don't care about the Football Hall of Fame, and I don't care about the Basketball Hall of Fame for the most part either as far as who gets in and who doesn't like I I'm just I just don't even care if Edelman's a Hall of Famer he's a Patriot <laughs> Hall of Famer and that's what matters to me sure I get it you know we could go on forever but I know you're tight on time to me he uh the very short explanation without doing all the numbers and everything else is it would be foolhardy to sit here and say like Julian Edelman no doubt about it he's a Hall of Famer but it would be equally dumb to me to ignore that there is actually a case to be made for why he could or should get in not we're not talking like 2025 you know when he's eligible yeah. we're talking like 20 30 years from from now uh you know potentially in a veterans committee or whatever else but there's absolutely a case to be made and anyone out there that's ignoring it to me is just short-sighted 
I think for me where it comes down on is with baseball is that now we're getting to this point now in baseball where the game has changed and some of the numbers that used to mean things don't mean things anymore because everybody's homering and everybody's striking people out. Mm. But the the game has been played the same for so long that it's still easy to compare guys from 2000 to guys from 1970. In the NFL, the game has evolved so much. It's like you're trying to get me to compare Julian Edelman to – you know, Jerry Rice or something where it's just totally different eras. And I'm just not interested in doing that. And maybe maybe it's just lazy on my part. It feels too hard to go and do that and try to compare Edelman to somebody from the seventies or the eighties. And, you know, but like, right. now we're going to get to this point in the NBA. Everybody shoots threes now. And, you know, it's Mm going to be different guys are going to put up scoring totals like we never saw before. And we're going to start debating whether or not, you know, Marcus smart is a hall of famer in 15 years. So I don't know. I think that's my logic behind it. Well, look at it this way. LaMarcus Aldridge retired from the NBA earlier today. Uh, yeah. Unfortunately, obviously, a, a irregular heartbeat, and that's you'd hate to see a guy go out like that. He will absolutely be an, a Naismith Pro Basketball yeah. you know, Hall of Famer. He will be. But it's a, it's a different museum. It's a different Hall of Fame. It's a different line of thinking. You know, it, he, like, you would laugh. People would laugh if you tried to insinuate the equivalent, whatever it would be, of his career to the NFL that he'd be a hall of famer or the NFL or his, the equivalent of his career to major league baseball, that he'd be in Cooperstown. His career is not in Canton or Cooperstown, but it's absolutely in Springfield. And it's just, these hall of fames are different. Adam, man, we'll talk to you next week. Appreciate your time as always. All right.